How's it going, Lakeland? Welcome back to A View from Lakeland City Hall. This is City Commissioner Chad McLeod. It's great to be back on the podcast. It's been a while since I recorded an episode. It's funny, I started off the year saying my goal was to record an episode after every city commission meeting. It's ambitious, but it gives me something to shoot for and kind of know the rhythm of releasing episodes for this podcast. But it's been challenging over the past couple of months. Summer, July, we had a family vacation and getting kids back to school in August. And then things with my public relations business have been busy the past month and carving out the time to do this podcast has been hard. But I was thinking this week that it's time to to get back and do some updates. We are preparing for Uh, the city's budget uh, to finalize that by the end of September for fiscal year 2023. The the month of September is sort of the ending uh, of the process, but still some work to be done. We are required by law to have two public hearings. We have one tonight, September 8th, and uh, then our final hearing where we vote on the budget and the millage rate and the different items that have been appropriated as part of that budget. That will be on September 22nd. So tonight's hearing is more of an informational session. We will hear from city staff. We have already individually been presented with what kind of a first glance at at the budget. And it's a chance for people in the community as well. If they want to attend the hearing or if there's something that they really feel is a priority or would like to see funded in this year's budget, you're able to attend one of those hearings and sometimes you'll have a number of people who show up and sometimes you don't have very many at all. You just, you never know. But there's a ton of work that goes into getting the city's budget ready. We really start this process back in February when we do strategic planning workshops. And in that setting, we're talking about priorities and initiatives and things that we want to see funded, not only in, in the next fiscal year, but ideally we're in those meetings, we're talking about more long range priorities. But it sets the stage for... The, the budget process. And then over the summer, we had a budget workshop. And that's where you start to put numbers down and look at what are the requests from the different city departments? What are our sources of revenue? What are our projections? What does it look like from a, a property tax standpoint, property values? And, and then we are required to advertise what we think our millage rate will be uh, when we adopt the budget, or at least where we are as a commission in terms of considering a property tax rate. Most of you probably know, but as a reminder, that millage rate, it is the the rate at which your property is taxed per $1,000 of taxable value. Uh, That's different than your market value uh, or even the assessed value by the property appraiser once you take away some of the exemptions for your homestead exemption and different things that you may have uh, as part of your property that gets you down to your taxable value and so right now our current millage rate what it's been this past year was 5.4323 we advertised a rate that is slightly higher than that a, a rate of 5.7649 by law if and this is true for the entire state of Florida, if you go higher than that rate that you have advertised in August, you have to go back out and re-advertise. And it's very difficult to do between now and and the end of September. And so you try not to get yourself in a position where you're going to increase further uh, what you have said uh, at the end of the summer, what the rate that you're advertising. It is possible that we will go lower than that 5.7 figure. And so we have to discuss that tonight and then again on the on the 22nd i am hoping that we can keep the rate the same the 5.4 is really what i i hope we can do as a city and as a commission i believe we can fund the things that are being requested in that current rate 
But as you can imagine, there are a lot of thoughts on that and, and different perspectives. And, and so we get together and, and discuss these things and, and see where we are as a group. So stay tuned. I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out on Friday, there will be a story or two. LakelandNow.com and The Ledger do a great job of covering the things that we discuss. And for sure, they will be covering these budget hearings as well. It, part of what is being requested this year, we have additional public safety positions that are part of the budget. And so both police and fire departments are requesting more personnel, more police officers, more firefighters. We are trying to prepare for a new fire station in North Lakeland and the costs that are associated with that, uh, that just the, the cost of land and constructing a new station and, and the equipment and trucks and everything that is required. And as a city and as we're growing, and this, so this came up in strategic planning, those workshops back in February, we absolutely 100% need to meet those public safety needs. We have to be responsive and we don't want to get in a situation where we are understaffed. And we know as a local government, uh, I believe our core responsibilities include public safety. Public safety has to be foundational for everything else to, to build on. And so that is, it's an important consideration. And I understand the reasoning. That's part of why it's a big driver of why there's a, a millage rate that we advertise that was slightly higher than the 5.4. It's because of those public safety needs. Now, I think we can fund those under the current rate that it's not essential that we, we raise that millage rate. But again, I'm, I'm one of seven in, in this discussion, and we want to get everybody together. And I don't want to say hash it out, but sometimes that's really what we do. I mean, we are, we're like a family. And so you have to discuss, let everybody give their opinion, hear from staff, and then vote and, and reach consensus and, and go from there. So it, it is an interesting process. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into adopting a budget every year. And so many meetings and, and we receive emails and, and conversations about priorities and things that people would like to see funded. You may have seen recently that we've had presentations before the commission. Specifically, they are requesting funds from those ARPA dollars, the American Rescue Plan, that you may have seen that the Lakeland Chamber of Commerce has made a request. They made a request at the very beginning of the process when we found out we were receiving money from the federal government. And they are asking for... There's 500000 for an, an organization to be able to come in and help with business development, access to capital support for minority-owned businesses. Now, the organization is called the Black Business Investment Corporation, and they would uh, be coming in under the, the chamber. And this is an initiative that the chamber feels very strongly about, that there's a need in our community for their services and the, and the things that they would bring to minority-owned businesses. Uh, there's a group. Uh, as part of the chamber's effort called Prospera, which is focusing on Hispanic-owned businesses and in giving Hispanic-owned businesses tools for success. And uh, again, it's very similar to uh, the Black Business Investment Corporation. And, and they have asked for some of the monies that we received from, from the ARPA uh, legislation from the federal government. Uh, similar, we, we had a request from the Mayor's Council on the Arts, and that's a group of arts organizations in the city of Lakeland, and they are looking for some, some additional dollars that they can give to arts organizations, smaller ones, those that have a, a operating budget of under a million dollars, and give them 
extra funds to, to be able to recover from some of the COVID losses and the, the stretch where they were really impacted by the effects of COVID-19, the pandemic. And all of these, I think, are, are great causes. It, it's challenging because there's so many worthy causes out there. And so when organizations come and they make a request, we have to evaluate, can we fund it? What are our options for the money that that we can give out. In this case, under ARPA, it's not necessarily tied into the fiscal year 2023 budget. Although, uh, part of the public safety request that uh, we're getting, we can use those ARPA funds for public safety capital expenses. So for police cars, fire trucks, and, and those types of items. And that is also under consideration. So trying to evaluate and balance all of that and at times it, it is a tall order because we, as governments go, we have limited funds uh, every year and just the allocation of those resources. And there are many strong opinions, and as there should be, I think, in a community when you have different requests and, and directions that you would like to see the city go. That's one of the things that is fascinating to me about being a commissioner and being in the chair of seeing the entire city, this kind of 360-degree view where you hear from different organizations, where you hear from city departments and city staff. And depending on your perspective, your daily view of wherever you are, that influences what direction you think the city commission should go. And for us, where the challenge gets is is that we can't always say yes to everything. We can't fund everything at the level that is, is coming our way. And that includes city departments and, and even to the external organizations that are asking for funds. But we recognize that, you know, in the case of the Chambers Request, the arts organizations, these are groups that are ingrained and invested in our community and, and want to see the success and the continued progress in the city of Lakeland. And so all of that is kind of going on right now as we talk about different budget items. So I will try to do another podcast at the end of September after the final budget is adopted, just with thoughts and, and my perspective on, on the end of that process for this year. One of the reasons why I feel strongly about keeping the millage rate the same right now and avoiding any increase however small it may be, is some of the other things that we have had to do in terms of rate increases recently, mainly for Lakeland Electric. And if you are listening and you are a Lakeland resident or a Lakeland Electric customer, most likely your electric bill has gone up this summer. Now, there are several factors to that, but we have had twice now to make significant increases to the fuel rate that customers are charged. And that is what's called a pass-through cost. It is really a reflection of the natural gas prices in the marketplace that have soared this summer. Almost every utility out there is having to do the same thing right now. We're having to pay more in the marketplace for natural gas because of all the conditions that are going on. It's sort of like a perfect storm for a natural gas price increase. We're having to pay more as a utility and we have to pass on that cost because we don't make money on, on fuel. Uh, but just to, to keep ourselves in a solid financial position as an electric utility, but it's a hard decision to make sometimes. It's easy, I think, when you're looking at spreadsheets and graphs and, and you realize we have a certain reserve we're trying to, to keep for fuel reserves and we need to, to keep a, a bond rating, a double A bond rating. But when you hear from people, 
who are experiencing the impact of that price increase, it's hard. Uh, it, it, you know and, and you feel the weight of that decision. And so that's one factor, those fuel rate increases. And one of the, the increases just took effect in September. And we delayed it to try and get through August because we know August is usually the hottest month uh, of the summer in Florida. And so we're hopeful that eventually we can bring that fuel rate back down, that prices in the marketplace will come down. And we'll get into, in Florida, some cooler, I hate to say cooler here in September as it's it's incredibly hot at the moment, but I feel like maybe fall is on the way. The start of college football season this past weekend made it feel a little bit like that to me. Go Gators. I'm going to throw that in there if I've got any Gator fans who are out there listening. But the, the Lakeland electric rates, yeah, so that's that's been part of the, uh, the backdrop of uh, my thinking on raising tax rates that as... Uh, Commissioner in Lakeland, we oversee this utility, and we're raising rates on that side. The uh, In October, we will be presented with more information. Uh, there is what's called a base rate study that is being done, and that is a, the base rate for electricity usage. This is different than the fuel rate, and I firmly believe we will be presented with a case to increase those rates. Private utilities, investor-owned utilities, so your Duke Energies, uh, Tico go through a different process uh, that involves what's called a public service commission for the state of Florida, where they have to make their case to increase rates, and they are going through the same process. Ours is different because we have a utility committee and ultimately a commission that oversees uh, the, the municipal utility that is Lakeland Electric. But I expect those rates are going to go up. So when I look at tax rates, this is an area to me that we can still keep those rates the same however small, again, uh, the, the proposed increase may be. And at this point, I don't think we have to raise the millage rate. We have already, um, we're experiencing a pretty good bump in tax revenues just from the increase in property values. Some of you out there may have been thinking that. And, and so that's, it's more money that's coming into the city's budget simply from the uh, appreciation of, of property values that we have seen in the marketplace over the last year. I don't think that's going to continue that, that growth in values. Uh, we're already seeing some cooling off in, in the housing market, but for the time being, it has been a benefit to local governments all over the country. The flight path at the airport continues to be an issue that it pops up from time to time, not to the level that I would say it did last year, maybe when I first came on the commission, but there are still people who live in areas where most of the time it's, it's Amazon, the planes are flying over neighborhoods, taking off landing, and there is a plan in place to try and, and get the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, to approve uh, allowing those jets to use the Polk Parkway route uh, and not going over, directly over, at lower altitudes like they are now, some of these residential neighborhoods. And it's been a long process, one that's taken longer than we thought it would, and we've had to bring in a, an outside consultant, and originally we had a getting into the weeds here a little bit, but we uh, the, the, the request of the FAA was for a visual approach to allow pilots to use the parkway as, as a visual marker heading into the airport, and the FAA kicked it back and asked for uh, an instrument approach, so where pilots are using their instruments. And I, I this quickly gets beyond my understanding of aviation, other than I know that it's we're waiting and hopeful that the FAA will approve this change and, and we can minimize the impact to the neighborhoods, not just right by the airport, but even some of those who are 
a little bit farther north who at times experience the jets coming and going over their house. I've had uh, neighbors, if they're listening, shout out to them, they'll know who they are, who asked me recently, hey, are, are more planes coming over our neighborhood than, than they were before? Because we feel like we're hearing and seeing more, and I think it, it depends on weather conditions and what the route they're allowed to take. And currently, that parkway approach is not an option. So we had a resident who came at our meeting on Tuesday. We met on Tuesday because it was Labor Day, but on Tuesday and, and asked about and just uh, encouraged us to continue working toward some resolutions in that area. The appointment of Commissioner Walker's seat. So that is, you've probably seen some coverage of that, that we are getting ready to make a, a decision on appointing a replacement for his seat to finish out. So his term uh, will end at the end of 2023. That seat is up for re-election or up, I should say, up for election in 2023. Commissioner Walker is term limited. He, his seat is on the same cycle as mine. So my seat will be up for re-election next November. Because he resigned as part of his uh, candidacy for the, the Florida House. He submitted uh, a letter of resignation. It is irrevocable. If you've seen coverage of this, you know kind of where I'm going. And, and so he cannot come back and say, this is my seat. I'm taking it back. We still have to make an appointment. However, as the appointing authority, the commission, we can appoint him back into his seat to serve out his term. I did not know we could do that. It, in my mind, that was never... A consideration. And so when I found that out and saw that he, he's put his name uh, into the, the pool to be considered, it, it makes it an interesting decision for us. And we've had people expressing different opinions on that, to resign to run, what that means, and, and should we do that or not. And uh, it is something we are scheduled to take up September 19th at our next meeting. So regardless, that is, it, it's part of a process that we put in place that when we have a commissioner who steps down, we were mainly thinking of cases where someone's stepping down to run for another office, but it could be for whatever reason that we as a commission will make an appointment, a short-term appointment, until the next regularly scheduled election. And there were several reasons for doing that. We ran into a situation with Commissioner Music's seat, uh, where, uh, which replaced Scott Franklin. When he resigned as part of his congressional campaign, that we had a special election we had to appoint someone until there was a special election, and then we had the special election, there was a runoff, and then the seat was up for election in November. Commissioner Music ran four times in one year, and that is, it's challenging, it's costly to the city to keep having these special elections. And so last year, we put forth a policy change to the voters as changing the city's charter to allow us to make these short-term appointments. And I still, and it passed, I still think it's a, it's a good policy. Uh, special elections, you can make the case, as some have, that our commissioners should be elected all the time. And yes, I, I agree with that. I think these are special circumstances where there is protocol. We see examples of this from the federal government on down. I remember my first job working for a United States senator when he resigned in the middle of his, I guess it was toward the end of his term. Uh, the uh, law in that case allows the governor to, to make a replacement. And it's never meant to be long-term. The person who has that seat in the interim can run for the office, but there's not a special election. And, and so it's an appointed person who is filling out that elected representative's service. It's not perfect, and, and no scenario is, but I do think this is, is an area where 
we make a short-term appointment and then gear up for the next scheduled election for that seat. The last item I wanted to talk about is the upcoming opening, I guess it'll be in October, of Bonnet Springs Park. And some of the items that we approved over the summer were related to the park. Two of them, I was actually out for this meeting. It's the first commission meeting I have missed in over two and a half years. And there are times where we all have to miss meetings, but we really try to be there, to to be there for the vote. But we had a family vacation that had been scheduled well in advance. I knew that this was likely the first commission meeting I would miss when we were planning this vacation. But two of those items uh, were connected to Bonnet Springs Park. One was the the land. Uh, There's some land uh, nearby that the park uh, had an agreement in place that they would be able to buy that land from the city and had put down a deposit. This predates my term on the commission, a deposit of $25,000. And we essentially forgave the the rest of the, the purchase price, whatever that assessed value or what we would sell it for today. Uh, we, in my mind, we want to be a strong partner of Bonnet Springs. It is phenomenal. I toured it. My wife and I went out and, and did a tour a couple of weeks ago. And I had not been out there in over a year and seeing what it's going to be and what it will offer for the city and in our region and the state, I think donating this piece of land that's important to, to their operations and the surrounding area is, is a small thing that we can do as a city to be supportive. The same thing for the um, Florida tile site. So that is a, it's about 20 acres of land that is south of the George Jenkins Boulevard and Kathleen Road intersection south of the park. The developers of the park had said from the beginning that this tract of land was really critical in their long-term view to the success of Bonnet Springs. It has been vacant, this land, since the early 2000s. And there was a lot, and I mean a lot, of environmental remediation that needed to be done on this property. And so now there is a developer that is coming in that will build, it's going to be a mix of multifamily apartments, retail, kind of a connection if you will, from Bonnet Springs to downtown. And we agreed as a community redevelopment agency, that's where this started, I'm on that advisory board, and then the full commission to grant them a a pretty generous tax increment financing deal. It's often referred to as TIF in the development world. And currently the taxable value on this property is zero. No, we're not reaping any benefits as a city from someone paying taxes on it. When there is a TIF deal that is in place, whatever the incremental increase of that taxable value, stay with me because this gets kind of in the weeds. So if it's zero, I don't know, I'm just making up numbers. Let's say it goes up to $200,000. As a city, and usually this begins with a CRA that, that approves this and then it has to go to the full commission, it can be 50%, 75%, 90%, of that increase on the taxable value is given back to the, the property owner. They pay the taxes in full, and then it's, it is refunded, essentially, the, the amount, whatever percentage you, you decide as a city is, is given back to that developer. And every year, there's, as a development occurs, there, there are increases. I think those increases are, are going to taper off a little bit once the development is up and buildings are built and you've gone really from kind of zero to a hundred in terms of nothing on the site to being fully developed. 
you will not have the sizable increases in, in that taxable value. But in those first years, it is significant. Uh, the taxes that, that are paid and the tax increment financing is an approach, it's an incentive for developers. And a lot of times to make projects work, they still have to be profitable on the development side and construction costs are soaring. Uh, not only natural gas that I talked about for Lakeland Electric, but just development cost and, and the cost for this developer for what they were originally planning to what it is now uh, is a lot more. And so we approved a very, uh, what I would say is a generous TIF package that is higher than maybe what we've done in, in previous projects. And, and there's some reasons for that, but certainly this piece of land being critical to the success of Bonnet Springs Park and, and really allowing that area to develop in a way that, that supports and, and furthers our downtown and the, its connection to, to Bonnet Springs. So you'll be hearing more about the grand opening of Bonnet Springs in October. As I said, it is going to be a, an incredible asset uh, to our city and excited for what's to come out there. I think I'll stop here today. I've, I have uh, enjoyed being back on the podcast and running through a couple of topics. As always, you can contact me at chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net. If you have thoughts, ideas, suggestions about the city, I always love hearing from people, people I know, and new listeners as well. So I'll be back again, hopefully at the end of September, after we finalize the, the budget for next year. Thank you for listening, Lakeland. Thank you for the privilege of serving as one of your city commissioners. I'll see you back again here soon.